Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. What up, what up, what up, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation. In the huddle. Brought to you by Tequila Embajador. It is a Wednesday uh, Raider Nation Radio, 9.20 a.m. You can listen to us um, all over the place. Uh, the Raiders website, um, uh, our app, uh, Las Vegas uh, Sports Network. Um, all, 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 you can you listen to us. Uh, our, our, we have podcasts that we download every night. So uh, I want to thank everybody for listening and for participating because, um, you know, the numbers are strong and we do this for you guys. We're only getting bigger and bigger and bigger and growing and growing and growing. The more that uh, it gets out there uh, that, that we're here and uh, that we're covering the Raiders like no other. And we love doing it. And you're the reason why uh, we do it. But I just threw a question out on uh, to Twitter. Um, and the question being, we all know that the Raiders, with the draft coming up in a couple of weeks, uh, the Raiders have a glaring hole at right tackle, or do they? Um, you know, uh, maybe they see things a little bit differently. But uh, as of right now, there's no real established starting right tackle. Uh, there's no real established starting free safety. Uh, you could uh, put Carl Joseph there um, or Jeff Heath, but I think over a 16-game schedule, that's probably not ideal at right tackle. You know, you could put Denzel Good over there uh, if need be, or, or uh, maybe it's Brandon Parker um, if you want. Uh, so it's not, I guess it's a mistake to say that there isn't anybody on the roster that could play both of those positions, but I don't think that that's ideally what the Raiders want to do. And so for those reasons, we're kind of all assuming that when it comes to those first two picks, in some form of combination, it's going to be a free safety or a tackle. Um, not in those particular orders. Although, if it were me, uh, the way I kind of feel today, um, I kind of feel like it's going to be tackle, free safety. But what I threw out on Twitter and uh, would love to get uh, everybody's thoughts, and it would probably, I guess, seem like a uh, an easy uh, decision, um, and, and that is if... It got to a point where Micah Parsons, the linebacker from Penn State, uh, took a tumble and was there at 17. Uh, and you also had a chance to get Christian Darasa, uh, who played left tackle at Virginia Tech at a very, very high level, uh, would immediately become the day one starter at right tackle, could eventually move over to left tackle, depending on what happens with Colton Miller over the next five years or after his contract runs out. Uh, but do you, do you roll with the linebacker? Micah Parsons, who, based on film, and I watched more of it today, uh, again, while I was at the gym, and uh, there's no question that the guy is just one of those game-changing type defensive players. Uh, they used him in so many different ways uh, at Penn State. He came off the edge with his hand in the ground uh, a couple plays that I saw. Uh, he was a blitzer from the middle uh, of a middle linebacker position, it looked like, in, in whatever scheme that they were running at. Uh, he came off the edge uh, in an upright position on some blitzes. Um, he also obviously just defended the run, took tremendous angles, fought through blockers, um, was able to get to the running back sometimes for losses, uh, but you know, generally speaking, for minimal games gains. And there were also uh, you know plays where he was in drop back in, in pass coverage, covering either uh, in zone defense or man to man, and and. 
you know, there were a couple of times where he punched the ball out, uh, got his hands, uh, you know, close to some interceptions on balls. So he he's kind of a do-it-all linebacker and somebody that projects to fit perfectly as a do-it-all linebacker, a three-down guy, a guy that could stay on the field in all situations and be an asset in so many different situations. And I think, um, you know, on the on the on the surface of it, it, it would probably seem like a pretty easy uh, decision. You go with Michael Parsons, and you figure out, you know, tackle a little bit later on. This is a deep draft. Uh, four tackles, so um, there's guys that you can get in the first round. Uh, there's the guys that you can get in the second round that could, you know, project as as starters, uh, and, or, or maybe even in the third round. And I'm not saying that that's you know the ideal way to go as far as um, you know uh, tackle or relying on somebody that you can get that can start in day one. But you know, even if you had to wait to the second round, even if you had to wait till the third round, there's still others. You know, some other options uh, in free agency if you want to kind of do a hold the fort down for a little while until um, you know until your young player, wherever you draft him, uh, gets ready. And I and I and I guess you know my my point is, man, if you got a chance to draft kind of a difference maker. On defense, and that's the one of the things that the Raiders are really, really lacking is a difference maker uh, on the defensive side of the ball. You know, you just maybe and and look. The reason I guess it's even a question is because the Raiders have brought back. I mean, they do have all their linebackers coming back. Uh, Nicholas Morrow had a had a good year last year. Um, you know, uh, Corey Littleton obviously had his struggles, but. Uh, he's a guy that I think in a new system, uh, a year into uh, his his Raiders career, you probably figure is going to level off uh, and and you know uh, trend back more toward the player he was in Los Angeles than the one that we saw last year uh, here in Las Vegas. I think Nick Kwiatkowski uh, played fine. Uh, he's 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 a, a, a player that you can pencil in, you know, right now and say you know he's going to give you productive productive football, but. Man, Micah Parsons, you know, you know, having those two, those three players in place, uh, shouldn't be the reason why you don't draft a Micah Parsons, and especially you know with a Nicholas Morrow, uh, you know, yeah, he had a good solid year last year, but he's only on a one year contract. Um, you know, uh, we don't know if he's even going to be around beyond uh, this season, and you know, if you bring in a Micah Parsons and he, and he beats out a Nicholas Morrow or whoever else on the roster, so be it. That's that's how life works. Uh, and and you, you strengthen the defense. You bring in a guy uh, that can create turnovers. And, okay, so if you do that, then that means, you know, you go into round two without that um, left tackle, without that right tackle, right? So, but th- there's, uh, you know, Samuel Cosme from Texas is projected to go in the second round. Liam Meikenberg from Notre Dame is projected to go in the second round. Walker Little from Stanford uh, is projected uh, to go to the second round in the second round. Brady Christensen, BYU, second or third rounder. Dylan Radnuds from North Dakota State, um, you know, third, second or third round. James Hudson from Cincinnati. Dante Smith from East Carolina. Steve Forsyth from Florida. Spencer Brown, I really like Spencer Brown from Northern Iowa. All third round uh, uh, guys, Jalen Moore from Western Michigan. So um, you know, there's this is a really deep draft, and even if you have to get somebody uh, later on in that third round or so, that um, you, you know you might need to to refine a little bit. 
then maybe you go sign uh, a veteran and uh, stop gap and get it figured out until the young guy is ready. And in the meantime, you've got yourself a tremendous rookie impact defensive player in a Micah Parsons um, who can really elevate this defense to another level. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Pablo uh, is online. Wants to talk about that 17th pick. Hey, guys. Um, uh, I listen to you guys pretty often. I'm out here in Atlanta. I'm on the East Coast, so I try to chime in as much as I can. But um, the question about Micah Parsons versus uh, Christian Darisaw, I think that with Tom Cable, I I really trust him and I like him as a head co- or not as a head coach as a position coach. What he has done and what he did with our offensive line, I think, is very. Uh, it's one of those things where you know not very many guys can take the talent that he had and put the guys and put them in a position to succeed. Right? We had some really good players as well, but he put them in a position to succeed and taught them. Right? So if we have somebody who's not a first-round talent playing right tackle, I think that we can, you know, still be successful, right? There's five other guys on there who work as a unit. Um, the same thing can be said for defense, but I think if I think if Parsons is there, I wouldn't necessarily – if the Raiders took him, I wouldn't be upset. But I think at this point, we need we need to focus on our secondary, right? That guy from TCU, Morig, I, I think – would be a great pickup for us, right? He, I think he could work in tandem, you know, with Abrams, with 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 Joseph, you know. That I think that would really shore up our our secondary. The, the three linebackers we have now are pretty solid guys, in my opinion, right? We have some rotation there. Our, our defensive line, I think, is going to be deep. I, I don't think all the guys that we signed are going to stick with us. I think that they're going to see, you know, who survives training camp and, you know, which guys show that they can get after it. But I think the secondary is something that we need to focus on. I, I think that they should focus on more now, more so than the offensive line. So that's just my take. Thanks for taking my call, guys. Uh, you got it. Yeah, and I and I, I tend to, uh, to, to, to be with you on that. Um, Michael Parson is just too good to pass up at number 17. You don't want to be in a position – um, you know, uh, down the line where, you know, a year or two or even this year where you're thinking, um, man, had a chance at a guy that could be a game wrecker uh, like a Mark- Michael Parsons and passed on it to, to go draft uh, a position of, you know, obviously, right. There's no question that right tackle is a glaring need, um, but you, you can't. You know, there's ways to figure that position out. There's ways to get that position squared away. Um, you know, even if it means, like I said, drafting somebody in the second or third round. Uh, you know, waiting a little while for that player to to develop, signing a veteran, maybe even moving Denzel Good over to right tackle uh, for one season. Uh, it's not ideal. Uh, Denzel Good has been basically a, a reserve player for for most of his career, uh, but I think he's good enough. Um, and capable enough to hold down the fort for one more for one year, uh, while you develop um, your backup plan or your 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 future plan, and maybe that future plan isn't ready just right now, but will be uh, ready uh, eventually. Uh, in the meantime, you know you're able to bring in a guy that can just literally uh, change games, and uh, and I think that that's what the Raiders need more than anything else is a game changer on defense. They just haven't had one um, these last few years. Part of that is some guys are just, you know, too young. Collectively, the unit has been, uh, you know, 
new to each other and maybe not u- being utilized correctly. There's a lot of reasons why um, the Raiders just haven't been able to uncover, you know, one or two, uh, you know, uh, big time playmakers defensively. Sometimes some of that, you know, just isn't in guys' DNA. You've got good, capable, solid, productive players, but you know, your your all star caliber kind of players are those are hard to come by. You know, um, you look at the Rams defenses that I covered when I was in Los Angeles. Aaron Donald was the star of that team. But around, and then Jalen Ramsey came, and he's obviously another star. So there's two uh, that are the cornerstone star players uh, on the defense. But then you had in and around them really good, solid players. Uh, you know, I think John Johnson, the safety, was a borderline, you know, star. But you know, he's not he's not the end all be all like dynamic guy. Uh, t- you know, uh, he's not in that category, but he played alongside side a couple of guys that were, and you're Michael Brockers and, 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 you know, guys that were, that were really good in and around, uh, the two star players. So I, I think the Raiders have a bunch of those type of guys, uh, in Cleve Farrell, um, you know, in, in Corey Littleton and Nick Kwiatkowski, uh, we'll see about Damon Arnett and, and Trayvon Mullen, potentially Jonathan Abram, if he can get, you know, straightened out, uh, under this new coaching staff. I think there's players on this defense that can be really good, productive, solid football players. And that's, you You know, I know that Clee Farrell, you know, people, you know, get on him because he's not that Aaron Donald guy, um, you know, uh, and he was drafted in the fourth round. And, and I guess the thinking is everybody that's drafted, not in the fourth round, but with the fourth overall pick, everyone that's picked in the top five is going to be a future Hall of Famer. That's just not how it works. Um, sometimes they're just really good. Some drafts are just not don't shape up as 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 other drafts do. There wasn't beyond Bosa as far as that stud defensive, just you know, wreaking havoc, play in and play out. As far at, you know, after Joey Bosa with what did he go second or third? There was there just wasn't that guy in this draft, and I don't care who you name. Uh, Devin White's not that player. Um, you know, uh, Sweat from 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 Washington's really good, but I don't even. He's not that player. He's not that guy. Um, and and you know, uh, uh, the kid from the, the Kentucky kid that's in Jacksonville, he's not that guy uh, either. In fact, there's a lot of things that Clee Farrell does better uh, than Allen does. So from Jacksonville. There's just a, there's some good solid players and some really good players, but you know, maybe that 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 star quality just wasn't available in that draft and sometimes that's how drafts goes, but you can't drafts go, but you can't blame Clee Farrell for not being that guy just cuz he was picked fourth overall and you can't say the Raiders made a huge reach uh, because they selected him in fourth in a draft where there really weren't that many star star players or just weren't. And that's sometimes how drafts goes. Now, there's a guy by the name of Micah Parsons who, you know, because of some uh, situations that, um, that, that have arisen, he's a top 10 guy that might now fall, um, you know, as a, res- as a result of some red flags, he might be there at 17. Or he actually might be there, you know, to a point where maybe the Raiders need to think about trading up a few slots uh, to go get him. Um, would you do that? That's another question I'd ask to, to Raider Nation. I'm not saying trade into the top 10. I think that that would be a too steep a price to pay because there are other needs, free safety uh, and right tackle. But would you give up a th- one of the third round picks to move up three or maybe four slots uh, to go 
ensure that you that you go get uh, a player like Micah Parsons? Maybe that's the the better question here, um, rather than just you know comparing it to Michael Parsons and the offensive tackle. Um, you know, if Michael Parsons starts falling, would you be willing to trade up to go get him? Uh, you know, and maybe give up one of those third round picks to do it. I I would. I think the Raiders are in a position right now where bringing in one guy like that, still having your second round pick to go get uh, a free safety, uh, or maybe that's where you draft the tackle, still having one of the other third round picks uh, to get either the other free safety or or right tackle, um, still having free agency uh, to fall back on just in case you don't get your guys. Um, but if it means giving up a third round pick to go getting a star player, potentially star player like a Michael Parsons, I think it's something that you'd have to have to uh, consider. Um, now, I'm not going to give up, you know, the house <laughs> to, to move into top into the top ten. I wouldn't do that if I was the Raiders. Uh, I think there's just a couple more other needs that you don't have to, you know, uh, make that bold of a move to do it. But if he's if he was within reach. And really, it's only going to cost you maybe this year's third uh, one of the, this year's first round pick, maybe a third round the third one of the third round picks, and maybe you know uh, next year's third or, or something along those lines uh, to go get a, a guy like that of that caliber. I think you might have to consider doing it. The other question you'd also have to ask yourself is if he is falling, why? And um, are the Raiders? You know, is the information that that might be. Um, preventing other teams from taking him or is it is it compelling enough for the Raiders to say we don't we're not going to even take him at 17 we're not going to trade up for him uh either uh that's that's a question that you, you we don't have the answer to that question you'd be surprised sometimes who's not on who is on uh or isn't has been ruled out as far as a draft pick especially that early in the draft um because of concerns uh and and, and you just have to you have to account for the possibility that that might be happening um, hopefully everything's clean. Everything looks good with Micah Parsons, um, but 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 we'll see. Uh, but for at at the very least, there there is some reason why there's projections of him being outside that top ten because there's no question. Watching him play, he's a top ten caliber talent. Uh, back out to the Raider Nation listen line. Raider twenty seven wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, Raider twenty seven? Denny, I've listened to you for a long time. Uh, I'm usually. Um, for some reason, never called, but um, I've really enjoyed your show for a long time. You're really good. You know, I've been thinking about the draft a lot lately, and um, we've always kind of been, well, we need uh, this player. We need a right tackle. Let's get a right tackle. We need a, we need a, a cornerback. Let's let's get a cornerback. And it always seems like every year we leave some really really good players that get picked like right after we pick a Devin white. He's pr- a pretty good player. He, I know his, his, he didn't grade out super great, but he's a good player. And then you look at teams like the Ravens who, when they draft, Holy cow, look at that guy drop. That guy's really, really good. Get him. Yeah, but we don't need him. I don't care. Get him. Yeah. We've got this hole over here. I don't care. We'll worry about that later. Get that guy. And it seems like they are, the Steelers are that way too. And it seems like they are just perennial. They've got playmakers at several positions on their offense, playmakers at several places on their defense, and they just kind of fill in the rest. And I've, I've always kind of been against drafting for need, but you know when you, 
when you tear down your team to where it's worse than a, a, you know, the first year when they let you have a team, an expansion team, and you do that every other year, you you get you put yourself in a position where you have to draft for need. You you don't have any choice. You don't have any players. You, but now, I don't think our defense, talent wise, is as bad as they played on the field last year. I think Gus Bradley's going to make a, a difference. I think they're going to be a lot better. And you know, we keep saying we got to develop these players. We got to develop these players. But if you let a player play one year and he's hurt and he's playing through injuries, and you say that guy's a bum, he's scum. Those kids, those kids read social media. I mean, you can't give up on these kids that fast. It, especially like a cornerback, it takes three years to find out what you even have at a cornerback. You just don't know. You just these guys could be really, really good, and the Raiders give up on players too early. Sometimes I think. A lot of times players will go to another team. They didn't play very well for the Raiders, and then they go to another team, and wow, this guy's really this guy's not too bad. He's pretty good. So looking back on the Cleo Mack thing, it, hindsight's easy. It's easy to look back now and go, well, you know what? We should have never got rid of Cleo Mack. He's a generational player, and we squandered everything we got for him. But looking at it, through the a real truthful eye, we needed so many players at so many positions that we didn't have any money. We really couldn't afford to keep him and do a lot of the things we thought we needed to do, whether they worked out or not. You know, but I'm I'm in we're in a position now where we could trade up, get Micah Parsons, who I, I think is by far the best player in the draft. I don't think there's anybody close. And he's a Khalil Mack type talent. You want him to rush the passer, you can line him up at Leo and turn him loose on the quarterback. Oh, you need someone to cover a tight end? He runs a low 4-4, high 4-3. He can cover a tight end. You know, you need someone to stop the run? The guy can come up and stop the run. And I just feel like maybe we should start, if we get a chance to draft a player we think is going to be a superstar, and you're never going to hit every one of them. But at least, you know, you know what? I'm shooting. For, so I'm going to try to hit a home run on my first round. And I don't care about what positions we need, and I don't care what Mel Kuyper says. Yeah, I hear you, man. Uh, Raider twenty-seven. I got to run to another call. I really appreciate uh, the insight and the uh, and the enthusiasm. Please give us a call again. I really, I really like uh, what you had to say, uh, and thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, we're going to go out to uh, uh, Jerome uh, in Las Vegas. He wants to talk about the Raiders. Jerome, how you doing, man? Well, I'm doing pretty good. And I said before, and I'll say this again, we need draft capital. The way we get it is right now we have a Derek Works. He's a good first-round draft pick. If we trade him to Miami with his old quarterback, a left-handed quarterback, he needs a left-handed receiver because he ain't got nothing in Miami. So we get a first and a second for him. So one player and a lot of receivers in the draft. We pick another one and get another pick. Then I think we do the same thing with Derek Carr. Because this is, this is the greatest value we ever get for cars this year. Next year, the value will be much lower. We can have first and second for him, maybe. And that's three firsts and three seconds. Don't, don't have a, a lot of draft capital to pick any player we need. Or we take some of those picks and trade for Russell Wilson. Yeah, no, I hear you. Um, you know, I, I, uh, good points uh, w- without question. Um, you know, you can't. 
here's the thing about the Raiders right now. It, it, it's, it's, it's still a relatively new uh, regime with John Gruden and, and Mike Mayock. I know that uh, you know we live in a society where things have to happen overnight or else, um, but really this is a tandem that's only been in place uh, together for two years now uh, going on. You know, this, is, this will be the third draft that they have um, you know, together. And um, as the previous caller pointed out, rightfully so, uh, you, you, you really don't know what you're getting in a draft class until two, three years in. It's absurd uh, to, to grade drafts after one year. Uh, it's absurd to, to you know, cast off a Damon Arnett as a bust after, what, seven starts playing through uh, a, a wrist injury. It's absurd uh, to call Clee Farrell a bust, even, and in spite of the fact that he's actually been playing really well. But we live in such a society right now that it has to happen now or else. Uh, it's, 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 it's frankly absurd. And, um, uh, but the point being, what's happened the previous 15 years, the previous 10 years really is moot. Uh, this is about John Gruden and Mike Mack and the current staff and this is the decisions that they're making. Um, and, and that's, you know, what they, they, they've, they've had some hits. There's obviously been some misses. Nobody bats uh, a thousand and there's still a bunch of incompletes, uh, with some of these young players, uh, that, that, that they've drafted over these last couple of years. And sometimes it just takes time. Uh, we're going to, uh, go out to the caller line, uh, in just a little bit. We've got Ted Wynn also coming up from the athletic, our good friend from the athletic. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. No one gets you closer to the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Radio 9:20 a.m. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Uh, Going to go out to the Raider Nation guest line and welcome in our good friend from the Athletic, Ted Wynn. Uh, Ted always does a fantastic job breaking down film, explain, explaining football in a way that idiots like myself can actually uh, understand it. Uh, Ted, how you doing, my friend? Thank you for spending some time with us today. Doing well. Thanks for the intro, and you are too humble. Well, it's the it's it's the truth, man. Uh, I still suffer from you all the time. I'm just letting you know, uh, you know, and uh, actually just watching the film work and and seeing how guys fit in particular systems and schemes and things like that. It's 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 really interesting, and you do it in a way that that truly um, it's easy to absorb uh, and easy easy to digest. I know that sometimes uh, you know we're we're not that we're overwhelmed, but it looks so complicated and difficult. But uh, to have a teacher like yourself, and I know you have some teacher in your background, without question, uh, it makes it a lot easier. It really does. But Ted, I, I want to uh, quickly ask you a couple of different questions. Uh, I've been waiting uh, all day uh, to talk to you about, about all this stuff. And and first and foremost, there's a player, Michael Parsons from uh, Penn State, who is seems to be you know on the taking the tumble. Uh, train right now and uh, there could be a chance that he's there at 17 there could be a chance that the Raiders move up maybe uh, to get a a defensive player like that move up a few spots to do that when you look at a Micah Parsons uh, where do you see him fitting in uh, Gus Bradley's uh, defense if the Raiders were able to uh, you know reel in a player like that yeah I think a player like uh, Micah Parsons could play he could play Mike in this system he could play a weak side linebacker in this system 
Um, obviously, you know, crazy closing speed and off the charts athleticism when you just see him on the film. Uh, but I mean, I, I, the thing that I question is, I mean, why is he tumbling? You really have to make sure you go through the, you know, if, the, if there are character issues or what's going on with him, because I don't think the Raiders could afford to make that sort of a gamble on a player if teams are passing up on him uh, for those reasons. Also, the Raiders have so much capital in, invested in the in the linebacker position already, and I, and I know that uh, Corey Littleton didn't play up to expectation last, last season, but you're expecting to play better in Gus Bradley's system, you have so much money invested there already, and the team has so many other needs um, that I would say even if Parsons fell down to the Raiders, I don't know if he's worth the gamble for the Raiders, especially when there's so many. There will be so many good players that that uh, where they draft. Yeah, um, and, and and that's interesting that that you should mention that. Um, you know, there's there's information that teams have that fans you know obviously don't have access to. I used to always be shocked sometimes. Uh, during the draft, you know, texting my sources in draft rooms and say, you know, seeing a player that was right there in front of them, uh, just assuming, you know, you got to go get that guy and, you know, getting a text back saying we don't even have him on our, on our draft board. What? You know, so um, and there's there's all sorts of reasons, medical reasons, background checks, all of those type of things come into play. Um, so you're right. Uh, it, it, it wouldn't be it would be uh, a mistake to assume, you know, that that you know, all these teams are just writing them off for just for no reason. There's probably a reason. And that risk could be too risky for the Raiders, even though that talent is so uh, premier. So I, it'll, it would be interesting if he was there at 17 and they had that kind of a decision uh, to make. Uh, but you're right. And I agree. I think he fits into that system and you, you let it, you, you figure it out. I know they've invested a lot of money, but if they feel he's clean and they feel he's good to go, um, you know, he's a player that the, the talent is just too good uh, to pass up if everything else uh, checks out. Um, going, Staying on the defensive side of the ball, uh, there's a few free safeties. Obviously, the Raiders need some free need a free safety or a starting free safety. Um, you look at Javon Holland. You look at Morig from TCU. Um, you look at Richie Grant from the University of Central Florida. Let's just assume that the TCU kid is off the table uh, when the Raiders' second-round pick comes at 48. Let's say it's a decision between a Javon Holland from Oregon uh, and a Richie Grant at the University of Central Florida. In your eyes, from your estimation, who fits better with what the Raiders are, are trying to do? Yeah, I haven't watched a lot of Holland, but I, I, I like Richie Grant a lot, and I, I think he's a really good fit at free safety, um, even more so than, than Morig. I mean, Morig has a ton of talent, uh, but he played in a different system, uh, a too-high system. Richie Grant is more of that middle-of-the-field free safety. Uh, I mean, obviously, if, you, if more rig was available in, in a second round, but he won't be, um, then, you know, you, you kind of want to gamble and see if he could fit into a different system. Uh, but with Grant, you know, you have a center fielder that could cover space, and, and it has range, and that's exactly what you need in, in this, this cover-three system. Uh, I think with Carl Joseph in the fold, free safety is not as big as a need. Uh, I think he can play that free safety position better than he. Uh, I mean, he, he, I think the, the reason why he didn't play as well uh, when he was a Raider was because he they tried to put him in a box and try to make him a strong safety because he's so physical, but he just couldn't cover tight end. So I, I think if you just put him at free safety and let him play the middle of the field, I think he could be a pretty effective player. 
And, you know, obviously uh, signing him doesn't take you out of drafting a free safety. But, yeah, if Richie Grant is there in the second round, I, I would jump at a chance to draft him. Talking to Ted Wynn, our good friend from The Athletic. You can follow him at FB underscore film analysis um, and always uh, urge everyone uh, to do just that to get some really good information. Along the lines of that safety position, uh, you know, you mentioned Carl Joseph. Uh, I'm with you. I think if, if worse came to worse, he could hold down the fort uh, at that position. So there shouldn't be any desperation in, in, uh, in drafting um, uh, somebody. Although if Richie Grant is there, I think that's kind of the ideal sort of player to, uh, to pick up uh, at number 48. Uh, but along the lines of safety, uh, we've talked a lot, obviously, about Jonathan Abram. Um, we've had a couple of months now to absorb the Gus Bradley hire um, and what that might mean uh, for some of the current players on the roster. But as you look at a Jonathan Abram, we know what some of the weaknesses were last year and some of the mistakes were. There were, so there were some that were pretty glaring. Uh, there was also some moments of really strong play and, and good play. Uh, from your perspective, what do you need to see from Jonathan Abram uh, next year? And do you feel like the physic, the the everything else is there. If he can t- tone down some of the some of the you know rough edges that he's had, that he has. Yeah, I, I mean you, you love his quick and close ability, his ability to run downhill and break on things. But it, it's just the over aggressiveness. I think situational awareness is just where he has to grow leap and bounds. I mean there, there there's a place for that aggressiveness, uh, but at the same time, you know, it, it, just going back to that 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 touchdown that he gave up uh, towards the end of the Chiefs game in Las Vegas, you know, you, you're in a long, just, uh, you're in a two minute situation. And, you know, why, why are you banning your assignment to chase a quarterback? It's just things like that, where he has to understand the situation, understand the down and distance, understand his responsibilities and, and be aggressive, but be aggressive within the scheme and understand when not to be aggressive when it's a you know like a third and 15 or something you don't need to you know lay somebody out 10 yards from the line of scrimmage yeah uh and if he can get it turned around um you know that's that's a player that i think that um could turn out to be what the raiders uh envisioned um same thing with Corey littleton and as you've had a you, you've had a year to you know digest what happened with Corey littleton last year i think there were probably a series of things and a combination of things that 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 led to his level of play, inexplicable as it might seem, given the level that he played with uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, but as you project ahead to next year with a Corey Littleton, um, is it is it in the realm of possibility that he could get it turned around and become the player that he was with the Rams? Yeah, I, I totally expect him to turn around, and I, I don't know if he'll reach that that level that he played at before that the year, right before he signed with the Raiders, because he played so well and he just completely filled out the stat sheet. Uh, but I, I expect him to turn around. I mean, I thought that he played a lot better towards the end of last season when the scheme was uh, simplified and, and with Gus Bradley's scheme, things will be simplified for him. So he won't um, have, you know, be, be confused or have his head swimming. I, I think he tried to learn a really complicated defense Um in a, sh- a shortened off season because of COVID-19. And this year he- he's going to have a full off season, digest the playbook and it's going to be much simpler and it's going to allow him to just play and have his athletic ability take over. So I, I do expect Littleton to play much better. 
Ted, um, anybody in this draft, um, I, I've seen on Twitter people kind of declaring their guys of this draft. You know, everybody falls in love with a handful of players that uh, that they just, you know, if they were running the show, uh, would be would be picks that they made for the team that they were running. Uh, anybody in this particular draft, especially ones that might translate to what the Raiders are trying to do, uh, that, that really jump out at you that you would like to see in wearing the silver and black uniform? Yeah, I really like uh, Tavon Jenkins, the right tackle from uh, Oklahoma State. Obviously, the Raiders need a, a right tackle, and he's going to be he's going to you know he has that draft grade where he's going to fall in, in that middle middle round spot where exactly where the Raiders are going to pick. He's an extremely physical tackle, uh, which fits the mold of, of what the Raiders want. I, I think he's ex- extremely intelligent player for being such a young player. You see him make. Um, adjustments and technical adjustments in game, um, and yeah, I just think that he fits exactly what the Raiders want, and he fits a big need for the Raiders, and he'll be there um, in that middle first round. You mentioned uh, Jenkins from Oklahoma State. Uh, I think he fits right in. Uh, Love the tape, uh, but if if it was a, between he and Christian Darsaw from Virginia Tech, uh, do you have a preference uh, between those two players? Um, I just have a preference for Jenkins because his film is just fun to watch because he, he just annihilates guys. I think right. he's the best finisher of the tackles in this draft. So just watching him, uh, you know, just go after guys and want to finish them, want to bury them in the ground makes me uh, really excited to watch him, and I, I would love to watch him in the silver and black. Yeah, uh, it's it's hard to ignore <laughs> His tenacity, I mean, he's drive these pile driving dudes, you know, off to the sidelines and into the ground. And so from that perspective, he would totally fit uh, with what the Raiders are doing. And I do think he's going to be there at 17. So uh, he'd be hard to pass up uh, no matter who else is is there uh, alongside him. Uh, Ted, you know, obviously the Raiders signed uh, Kenyon Drake. Uh, it raised a few eyebrows and uh, people were scratching their head a, a little bit about a little bit of it. Uh, we've had about two weeks now to to sleep on it. Um, your thoughts on on Kenyon Drake and how he might fit into this offense? Yeah, I mean, just the, first off, the the financial um, commitment to him was um, a little puzzling, just because you know they they went away from the expensive guards and centers because those are supposedly lower on the chart of positional value, and then they go and pay a, a second back a ton of money. And I know he's not making that much this year, but they are locked into him uh, uh, next year too. But as far as the player, there, there's no uh, criticizing who the player is. Drake is going to be one of the best second running backs in the league. Um, and, and he offers a lot uh, in the passing game as well. He, he's a, a one-cut type of runner that has a lot of explosion and, and long speed. So if he gets an open field, nobody's catching him. And he has legit receiving skills. Like He can run routes and he catches the ball um, extremely well. And, you know, I think that's part of the reason why uh, Gruden was so attracted to Drake. Um, but, I mean, the thing is we, we've heard coaches talk about, oh, we're going to use the, this back like this in the passing game and be creative. And, you know, we hear all this talk, and then when it comes to the season, um, the, you know, that back doesn't end up doing this, or they don't end up calling those plays that they, they've drawn up for him. So to make that investment um, worth it for Drake, you know, you, you got they're certainly going to draw up the plays, but it's another thing to call him in-game and get the ball to him in space. And, um, you know, Drake does provide that extra dimension. 
Yeah, uh, I'm with you. You can't sign them and then not use them. And I have a sneaky suspicion that the Raiders are going to use Drake in a lot of different ways, but we will see. Uh, Ted, I really appreciate it. I know it's a busy time of year uh, for you with the draft coming up and everything else that's going on. Uh, thank you so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. We will talk to you down the road, my friend. Appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me on. You got it. That was Ted Wynn from The Athletic breaking down uh, some some draft prospects. I'm with uh, Ted. I really like uh, the, the uh, Tevon uh, uh, Jenkins um, tape from Oklahoma State, but I don't know, man. Christian Derrissaw, uh, it looked so easy for him at Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech. And uh, you look at the body, you look at the body of work, you look at the physicality and the strength. Uh, he'd be tough to pass up uh, as well. You're in the huddle with any Monsignor brought to you by Tequila and Bobby We're back in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. This is Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Our thanks to Ted Wynn of The Athletic uh, breaking uh, down the draft and draft prospects. Jonathan Abram and Corey Littleton fit into Gus Bradley's uh, new system. Uh, by the way, to... Uh, to some of the listeners who follow me on Twitter, yes, that was me typing in the background during the Ted Wynn uh, interview. I apologize to Ted Wynn, but uh, sometimes you got to multitask uh, in this job. I obviously cover the Raiders for the Las Vegas Review Journal. That's my day job, and my day job uh, kind of bled into uh, my radio uh, gig as well um, today. And uh, and so, just to let you know, and the story's coming out here pretty soon. Uh, going to be posted here pretty soon. That's what I was typing away uh, at after I got confirmation. But anyway, uh, we all know what's going on with uh, OTAs uh, and the in-person participation level. There are teams that uh, have opted against participating in the uh, in the um, in-person phase of OTAs. The New England Patriots, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Detroit Lions, uh, and the Denver Broncos have all decided. No, nope, we're not going to. Uh, we're not going to participate uh, in the in-person phase. What's the in-person phase? That's the on-field work. Um, it's that's that's what they're saying that they're not. They're, they don't want to do. Um, and because of COVID nineteen. Now I'm a little suspicious on the COVID nineteen uh, angle. I think there's other factors in play. But you know you can't. I, I'm not going to sit here and call them liars. So uh, I don't know for sure. Uh, I think this is a deeper play for uh, other purposes. Uh, it's a negotiating ploy, but it is what it is. Uh, that's their stance, and they have every right uh, to do it. The Raiders um, today met. Uh, there was a series of meetings uh, that took all day. That's why I'm still working uh, on that story. They met today to go over um, all the latest information, and there was new information. The NFL sent a memo to all the clubs today. Um, indicating that OTAs, which begin on Monday, by the way, uh, that the first phase of OTAs has been expended, expe- extended from the normal two weeks to now four weeks. Well, what does that mean? Well, what it means is the on-field, in-person aspect of it uh, is now being delayed till May 17th. So there's really no urgency to decide you know, should we be one of the teams that are participating in the in-person part of it or not? Because it's still more than a month away, number one. Number two, uh, everything, all meetings, all classroom work through the first phase of free agency, which again has now been extended from uh, two weeks to four weeks, uh, a full month, 
All of those are going to be done virtually. Okay, so what happens on Monday is virtually all virtual, except for, and this is all voluntary, uh, and I suspect that most players will take advantage of this. If you want to go work out in the weight room, if you want to go work out on the field, you're able to do so individually, um, not you know forced to and not in any kind of a team sense. But players are allowed to go into the building to get work uh, done on the field. You can't have a football out there, so... Uh, it's all kind of conditioning work. Um, picture, you know, if, if you played high school football or any level of football, you know what on-field conditioning work looks like without a ball. There's all these other types of things that you can do. You just can't have the football out there. And no coaches are allowed. In the weight room, players are allowed to go uh, during normal business hours at the team facility in Henderson or wherever, whatever team you're talking about. Uh, to work out in the weight room under the supervision of the strength and conditioning coaching staff. So, um, but but that's all voluntary and it's not mandated. So really, the, the, all these decisions that have been made by the Patriots and the Broncos and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, kind of hasty in nature because what they're talking about, the concerns with COVID nineteen and and. Uh, and, and not participating on the uh, in the in the in-person part of it, which is really a, a short way of saying or a different way of saying practicing on the field, uh, it's moot at this point because it's not even happening at this point now for another month. Um, but long story short, the Raiders digested all this information. There were a series of uh, meetings today, uh, and the decision was: we've got all this information. We're going to sleep on it for the next 24 hours. Tomorrow, at some point going to vote on it and decide on it and um, basically move forward together on a unified uh, front as a team. Uh, we're going to get to the callers. I know you guys are out there. Uh, Raider T and Sean, um, hold on, brothers. Uh, uh, apologize for that. But I wanted to get that information out there. It's actually pertinent, and we'll talk about why uh, for the Raiders. There's a couple different reasons. There's financial reasons, but there's also a development process with the Raiders that I think is different than some other teams. It's a very young team. They need to get out on the field, but we'll see what they vote tomorrow. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Butler.